Greetings, Homo sapiens. How many of you out there during this year are wondering about your choices? Do you wonder how it could have been different if you'd taken that job across the country or if you decided to go back to school or start that business? For me, it feels like that internal voice grew louder this year as my shop shut down, as the schools closed, as one day bled into the next. I wondered, what if... Today, we present a story of one man who thought, maybe this is crazy, but what if I walked away from my job and flew across the world in the middle of a worldwide pandemic? This is Omo. 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 Is this Yoko Omo? This is Omo. This is Omo. Welcome back, everyone. We had a long break for our collective mental health, and here we are together, and we hope that your collective mental health out there is better as well. We have a fantastic guest for you guys today and friends of the show for all three of us, I believe. This is Ramon Phillip and Jerry, who's with me today. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Rosie. How's it going? Uh, I, you know... (laughs) breathing (laughs) that's what's important i am still breathing uh you would like tell us a little bit about our friend ramon well uh i first got ramon on my radar oh well at this point it was it was it was a little over a year ago uh so for those of you who may not know in the uh for, for oberlin restoration i'm the kind of the, the point guy. I'm the, the the email listed on the VSA's website of who to contact. I'm not the director, but I handle a lot of personnel things. And I got this really lovely email from Ramon probably May of 2019. And it was really sincere about how he's working in this violin shop. He's wanting to get better. Uh, just going on and on about all the passion that he had. And it kind of broke my heart to say, man, we're full. Because even though you think Oberlin Restoration is a lot of people with big skills, it is, but it's also a lot of people who are maybe taking their their first steps into the industry. And Ramon was certainly one of those one of those emails that I've gotten that I'm like, man, I I, I really wish we could get this guy in. But at that point, there was just no way. And so fast forward to the VSA convention in Dallas, your your home city there. Yes, uh, was it one year ago or was it twelve years ago? At this I feels like tw- feels like twelve. Okay. So anyway, we're out at at lunch and Ramon's there, and he fits in with everybody like he's known us for years. He's a member of the tribe. He's there like everybody seems to know Ramon. Everybody is just getting this great vibe off of him and just loving everything about this dude. And I start talking to him. It's like, you know, there's a good chance that we could have a spot for you. And <laughs> this sounds silly to say now in 2020, there's, we, we, there's a good chance that we could have a spot for you at, at Oberlin restoration. And he's just there and he goes, you know, I got this thing I want to do with my girlfriend. 
and thanks for the offer, but I think I'm going to do that instead. <laughs> well, Ramon, what are you going to do with your girlfriend? I'm going to Vietnam. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, Ramon. From Da Nang, Vietnam. Hello. Yes. Woke up. Good morning. Night. Afternoon. Evening. It, yes, yes, it's good night for us. It's good morning for you. You're 13 hours time zone difference from us, or from me. Ramon, you're coming to us from uh, where specifically this morning? Yeah, I'm in Da Nang, Vietnam. Um, I believe the specific province is called Quê Mi. But um. And more, more specifically, I'm coming to you from the performance arts classroom of the school that I teach at. You know, when I first came in contact with you, you had been working in a violin shop. How did you get to do that? What brought you from being a performer to being behind the bench? So um, to answer that, I got to go uh, a little bit further back in time. I joined orchestra in sixth grade and throughout high school, I was more focused on skateboarding and trying to be cool. And, you know, playing the viola was like the opposite of what any girl thought was cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like last chair. I was, I was just the, the knucklehead troublemaker. And when I was 18, I got the opportunity to play at Carnegie Hall and that like changed my life. And I just decided to take music seriously. So fast forward, I'm in college um, and I just got this crazy idea like, yeah, I'm going to become this professional musician. So what if, I, if I'm 19 years old and I just started taking lessons? It shouldn't be that hard, right? <laughs> so I would go into my, uh, my local music shop, Violin Outlet in Las Vegas. Shout out to Violin Outlet, the happiest place on earth. <laughs> and I was being there every day and they just got so used to seeing my smiling face and I just give everybody hugs and one day the luthier there, Jim just comes up to me, he's like hey kid, you want to learn how to you want to make, make some extra money this summer uh, setting up some instruments and I'm like yeah sure and that's how it started one summer and the next thing I know the boss literally says to me you're an apprentice. I was like, okay, I have no idea what that is. But, uh, ended up working there for 10 years in the shop before moving to Vietnam. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So that was like family. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I really do feel like it was my aunt and cousins that I worked with. And Jim the Luthier was like an uncle to me. Still is actually. That's really cool, man. At what point did you decide that I want to get better at this? So I just naturally have that um, spirit about me. Like I always choose things that, you know, there, there is a value in being really good at what you do. And I was very oblivious to the world of restoration and making and what makes an instrument or a repair valuable. And the owner told me that I, sh I should get, you know, I, sh I should start getting better and there'd be better opportunities for me. 
And I went to my first workshop with Eastman Strings in like 2000, uh, the end of 2018. And that was the first time that I had even heard of a lot of repairs. And coincidentally, at the same time, like I, I got contacted by Amanda, Amanda Ewing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And through her, I found you guys. And I just, I was like, wow, all this stuff was so new to me. And it just became interesting. And I was like, I want to do what you guys are doing. So it was like two thousand, like beginning of 2019, I think, or end of 2018. But I even knew that there was a, a world of like skilled luthiers and restorers out there, if that answers the question. Yeah, I can't tell you how much I connect to that story. Uh, having that that uh, year of being at the bench and having that that awakening moment and realizing there's so much more to it and there's some really smart, wonderful, awesome people who are doing amazing stuff that are that's inspiring. Yes, 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 yes. I'm there with you. So you did this life for ten years and you were just getting to a place of blossoming in to uh, a, a bigger world in the luthier stage. And uh, then there's a, there's a new woman in your life and she's going to go to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to take us to 2020. Yeah. And uh, you have a little bit of a story that happened on February 29th. Why don't you tell us about that day? So our tickets were... Uh, to Vietnam where we're supposed to leave on leap year. We'd been planning for months, you know, we got everything set up. We both uh, officially quit our jobs. We're all packed up. And the weekend before, like on the 27th or something like that, we're at Disneyland, my girlfriend and I. And we were supposed to go back to Vegas and hop on the plane. And we get this message at Disneyland that our flights were canceled because of COVID. It was like kind of devastating. Like she started freaking out and I just was like, you know what? Like, let's not jump to any conclusions. Luckily that same night we were able to book through another uh, airline and we made it to Vietnam. Like as soon as the borders closed, we had like a 10 day window and then we would not have been able to come. At that time, you were going more with a mindset for you personally as having an extended vacation. Is that correct? Yeah. You had the idea of going as an extended vacation and everybody else listening is like, that guy's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> because if, if we could have skipped, you know, the block of 2020 in America and gone to some place that was a grand adventure I think a lot of people would be like, I am so there. <laughs> and you are that guy that's there. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Man. You are the you are the smartest man in 2020. I got so lucky. Uh, you know, thank you, Jerry, but I think it's more like dumb luck because in like everybody was like, you know what you're doing, right? Like you're moving across the world during a pandemic. That's like a stupid idea. Don't ever do that. I just got super lucky. 
it yeah. so looks like you know what you're doing yeah. because, you know, there's, uh, you know, I know social media is not real life, but, you know, you see pictures of, of Ramon and his lady out in these exotic places. And uh-huh. then there's Ramon. He looks like a model. Oh, wait, I think he's actually modeling. Yeah, standing next to a giant Buddha and and all this wonderful exotic foliage outdoors. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. There's a little bit of hate here right now, Ramon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. I love you. No, it's good. <laughs> so so uh, at the time you caught the flight, you are two weeks away from the WHO declaring a worldwide pandemic. Yep. So this declaration happens while you are in another country where you do not speak the language. Tell us a little bit about your experience being told that you were in a lockdown. Oh, my goodness. Um, Like, where do I begin? Uh, I guess, like, first let me preface this by saying I had no idea, like, what to expect. And I'm so thankful that I had to stay here because it really forced me to grow and learn. And I, I had no, like, I, I hopped off the plane. Like, yeah, I don't need to learn any Vietnamese. Everybody speaks English everywhere. <laughs> like the first two weeks, like people are staring at me. Like, I'm like, hey, people think that I'm like a professional soccer player. You know, there's like not a lot of black guys with dreadlocks who are like <laughs> walking around in Vietnam. You know, and I got like my Adidas tracksuit and my chain, my gold <laughs> chain on. And just, I had to get so used to people staring at me and people like usually like just come up to me and take pictures. But that initial two weeks was like such a big culture shock. And luckily I had to stay and, you know, really adapt to a different culture. And it's been beautiful. Mm-hmm. But when we uh, got here and, and there was a lockdown, we had the decision, like, are we going to go back to to Vegas, are we going to stay here and wait it out? We decided to wait. Um, it was so scary because you don't know anybody. Like, literally, you don't know anybody out here. And we would just have, like, our landlords, like, whatever apartment we were renting, tell us, okay, you can't leave your house. And then you go outside and the, the city is on lockdown. Like, there is, like, military police um guarding every park, uh, the beaches, you know, like you can't go on the beach. You can't go riding your bike. You can't walk your dog. The streets were empty. It was like nothing I've ever experienced before. You could literally only go to like a pharmacy or a grocery store. And we were thinking like, are they going to start rounding up foreigners? Oh, geez. And, you know, wow. you, yeah. And, and you don't have any power. You're just kind of there just waiting to see what happens. Um, and yeah, we just kind of had to just trust that we made the right decision. And luckily everything cleared up and we've been, uh, the, the country has been taking very good care of us. That's great to hear, man. Yeah, the lockdown's over, so we've been able to just be free again, which is nice. So I understand you got to the point where you weren't on vacation anymore. You had to get a job. Yeah. And you're just tripping over luthier jobs over there, right? You, like everybody's doing stringed instrument repair over there, right? Oh, yeah. The market's so oversaturated. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm just joking. Like, I literally, I need a rehair so bad. I don't know where to go. Oh. Why can't you do it? <laughs> um, because I'm lazy? <laughs> That's a good question. Never thought about that. Well, you just, um, you just mail it in our direction. We'll take care of it for you. It, it might take two months to get back to you, but. Yeah, the mail's kind of hurting right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. True. So how is the violin perceived over there? Since we're on the, the subject of if you do play violin, where do you take it for work? And is the violin, has it done like it's done in the rest of the world where it's kind of blended into the culture and, and become a chameleon? Or is it a, still a very Western thing? So, um Vietnam and much of Southeast Asia, as I understand, is still bouncing back from a lot of um, tribulation that they faced in the past and starting to become more modernized. So it seems like they're uh, a few years behind and violin is not very common. Um, people are aware of it, but you're just now starting to see like saxophones and violin uh, be played. So it's still like a like a wow, wowing type instrument. Whereas if you go to Japan or Korea or China, it's very popular. I kind of glazed over earlier um, the joke about you getting a job, but tell us where you did land eventually. Yeah, um, I had no musical equipment out here with me and no nice clothes. So I just started promoting myself on Facebook as a musician just like spamming all the groups, posting my videos. And I got contacted to teach privately. So I had to buy a violin out here, started teaching. And then I started getting offers from like restaurants to play. So I bought an electric violin, started gigging. And flash forward a few months later, my name's kind of out there. And I got offered a full-time teaching job at an international school. So uh, since the beginning of the school year, September, I've been a full-time performance arts teacher working from 7.40 in the morning to 4.40 at night and still doing plenty of gigs throughout the week. That's wild. Congratulations, Good man. Good for you. Yeah, I got, I got lucky. Um, the day that the second lockdown ended, I had a message on my phone with this job offer. So very unexpected, but very happy that I've been able to make money during these crazy times. Did you ever think of yourself as a teacher in a school setting? Like, did you ever think that was something that you were ever going to do? Or is this completely out of left field? I actually studied music education in college and I was planning on being an orchestra teacher, but I started gigging before that. So yeah, I'm kind of in my element. That's great. I got to say, from the outside looking in, you make it look so easy. Oh, man. You just fall into another good thing and another good thing. Do you share that sense? What's going on inside? So, um, because I know you guys, I can say, I, I say the same for you. Uh -uh. And uh, Jerry, I see you in, in particular. I see all the stuff that you're posting all the time and you're creating all these new techniques and it's mind blowing. And I, I, I'd be looking at your Instagram story like, this is crazy. I can't believe that I'm watching like history happen, you know? 
um, and you make it look easy, but I, I know that it's not. So yeah, it's the same thing, you know, like, I guess we, we have to keep a certain kind of poise to us, but man, it's, uh, it's scary. It's scary. And it's a lot of hard work. Like, um, I don't think I've worked this hard in my whole life. Well, I, I, for one, I'm grateful that you're sharing that journey with us because I know what you mean about looking on the outside to somebody else's, you know, what they're posting online and saying, wow, that looks easy or that looks great. It looks like fun. But at least when we're looking at what you're posting for us, it's a little bit of escapism. Yeah. Gotcha. So thank you for sharing your journey. Yeah. It's been a, a, a brief respite from you know, our daily existence. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. And I feel the same way about you guys. Like I, I love the, you know, what you guys are doing is truly an art. And I, I sit there and I watch you guys' stories and posts all the time. I'm like, man, that is so cool. <laughs> Can't wait to be doing what you guys are doing. I have a feeling that you will be soon enough. And if for whatever reason you end up staying there, I can very easily see you putting out a shingle someday. Yeah. Uh, I will say, Raman, you shared with me earlier that uh, you are kind of enjoying taking a step outside of the States and uh, you have more of a curious eye towards the rest of the world now, uh, perhaps perhaps staying abroad longer. Uh, yeah. Do you see that dovetailing with uh, the luthier field in any way in the future for you? I hope so. Um, yeah, I hope to live a long life, you know, God willing, knock on wood. Only the finest seasoned wood. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I've always had this dream, like my dad's from Trinidad. So I always grew up like knowing that there was more uh, to just American culture. Um, and I've always had that uh, immigrants influence, you know, in my blood. But it's always been my dream to like go to a place like Trinidad and open up a shop. And, you know, there's just a lot, a lot out there, especially coming to Vietnam. Like I've realized that as an American, I'm so privileged. And right now, our dollar is still worth a whole lot. And just talking to people about different countries, like Ghana, even Mexico, the country Georgia, and Eastern Europe, Hungary. I mean, all these places, like, you know, no place is perfect, but you could find your green pasture. Coming out here to Vietnam has been, you know, it's not easy giving up everything that uh, you grew up familiar with, but uh, I've been able to save money. And out here, I feel like I add value to their economy. And um, yeah, I have a unique skill set. So I'm valuable. Whereas in, in Las Vegas, um, my hometown, as much success as I was beginning to see, I always felt like I was still behind a little bit. Yeah, you shared some of that with me, just that sense of not being able to get ahead here. Yeah. Which I, I think a lot of people resonate with at this especially at this time. Yeah. But I'll say, Roman, your enthusiasm is contagious and everybody I talk to who knows you is rooting for you. And if we hear one day in the future that you 
opened up the first violin shop in X district of X country, <laughs> I, I won't be surprised at all. Um, so <laughs> I, I wish you the best. And um, even if it takes you years to get back to the States, come say hi when you get here. Please do. Oh, man, you know it. I'm so honored to have you guys on my team, man. I really, you, you two have, have really changed my life. Like, I, I'm so glad that I reached out to you, Rosie, and just seeing you on your journey, seeing you kill it every day, you've really been a pillar of inspiration to me. And you've been, you were like the first uh, person that I, that I was able to call a, res- a resource. And because of that, you've introduced me to so much, so much in this trade. And I, I really thank you for it. I'm honored to be a part of your story. Uh, we are going to close with a traditional Cambodian folk song that Ramon performed for us, or Ramon performed for the world, I should say. Can you, can you tell me anything more about this song before we go into it? Yeah, so I grew up with a lot of Cambodian friends, and there's a movie about a popular singer named, I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, but Sin Sisimuth. And he wrote a song called Champ of Batambang. And there was a movie about it. So everybody was posting their cover of it on Facebook. And I performed it at one of my gigs. Um, and it went viral in Cambodia. Wow. And got like a whole wow. lot of views. Yeah. So <laughs> that was pretty unexpected, but cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, thanks again, Ramon Philip. Can't wait to see your face sometime in the future. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Ramon. Dakota. Welcome back, Chris and Jerry. I missed you guys. Miss you too. Hey, Rosie. Missed you too. Thank you. I love you, Jerry Lynn. I love you too, Christopher Jacoby. <sighs> In a non-sexual way. Okay. Okay. <sighs> we have to address something. Uh, we d- did our last episode maybe four months ago. Fourteen months ago. And uh, then we just took a hiatus and we didn't even announce it on the Omo podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we all just, there was a lot going on and we all just needed a break and um, we're back and we're here and we're doing this thing and I'm happy to be here. We're sorry we ghosted you like a Tinder date with long nose hair. Yeah. Particularly the long nose hair. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we've all got, I mean, aside from this, which is a, a, a passion project, aside from this, we're all parents, we're working, uh, and everything, as all of our listeners knows, has gotten dramatically harder. You know, just a trip to the store yeah. is an extra little bit of, oh, do I really need to go to the store? Or doing business has just gotten that much harder. Childcare has gotten harder. Schooling. Oh man, 
that has gotten way harder. Oh, school is so intense. Oh. <laughs> we were feeling exactly what everybody else was feeling. And when push came to shove, as much as we love this, we needed to shove this off to the side for a little bit. Yeah. I was just remembering this time one year ago is when uh, myself and Jason Peoples, who is our editor, we drove down to Austin to meet up with Julian um, and Maya and started kicking off building our violin. Yeah. And it was so fun. We had a blast. And we... You filed so many things. We filed so many things. We made a lot of good progress throughout the year. And then when it got to where, like, my shop is shut down and mm -hmm. uh, my kid is... I, we're doing school at home now. And... Uh, is this shingles? Is this COVID? Yeah. Yeah. And... and Getting to where, like, like first it was, it was an outbreak in New York, but it was the right thing to do for us to stay home. But then, you know, we started having cases all around us as time went by, and it wasn't a matter of like, well, I could just go spend one day at Jason's shop and we'll have a building day and it's fine. No, it's yeah. just you just like stopped all the things, and so even something as simple as doing a build with one other person is going at a snail's pace. Yeah. 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 <sighs> so, so, okay. So we talked to Ramon and basically postulated the question, what if you dramatically changed your life and it kind of worked out well and was cool in mm -hmm. the craziness of this year? Uh, have you guys had moments like that? The what if in your life? big changes that you thought you would take on or questioned taking on? Yeah. I started by reacting to this, that I, I go through this constantly throughout the day, whenever there's anything not, uh, <laughs> you know, my mind is attending to, but, uh, what, what really was crazy about my what ifs this year is they're usually intended to bring me and friends and colleagues I care about together in a way that will make everybody a little money and we share our resources, we share our knowledge. And for me, it's been, what if this lack of community continues forever? Like what if it's 2022? What if I still don't get to see my friends that I see in a very lonely business, honestly, the three of us and, and Jason, we talk all the time, but getting to see somebody who actually is aligned with the deeply dorky shit that obsesses me. <laughs> Instead, I was just talking to my, my, on my friend, Steph Knudsen's podcast, Viola centric. It's going to be great. You guys, uh, and talking about how I sometimes just like unload on like rental customers now <laughs> who do not oh. want to know the history of the Italian plague. <laughs> and how that led to the shape of the corners of their violin just because like it's all bottled up <laughs> so what if it just never stops what if there's just new strains and uh boofu furuvu that's so depressing <laughs> that was pretty dark yeah dude. <laughs> should have let jerry uh, talk well at, at some point is it, it's it's got to end this is not the yeah. This is not the first plague that we've ever yeah. had, and it's it's not going to be our last. Uh, so the question of what if? I don't think I've had anything 
associated with the, the, the pandemic, but certainly that question of what if, uh, you know, I've, I've had job offers in the past that, you know, because of family situations I needed to turn down. And I always think to myself, well, what if I just would have sucked it up and gone for it? What would life be like then? Yeah. But then, you know, it's kind of like you look at the way things are now and things despite the pandemic are, are not so bad. And so I take, I take mm -hmm. solace in that. Like, you know, there's always these what if things, but gosh, learning to love what you have is, it's pretty darn good. And mm -hmm. I think it's, mm -hmm. it's important, particularly in these times to, yeah, we can't go see our, our extra geeky friends, but we can still talk to them on the phone. We can message, we can FaceTime and learning to love that. It's what we got right now. And so that's, what's keeping me going. Right on. I absolutely resonate with that, with, you know what, in so many years past when the world was full of a million opportunities and and there would be things in my head of like, well, this build this business, I'm building it up, but what if I sold it? And what if I went to violin making school? And what if I made this kind of career change? Uh, and in this past year, those scripts aren't running through my head. Uh, and it's more that I, I I get to appreciate what I do have. Um, and I, I feel very, 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 very lucky <laughs> to, when the world is crazy to, to have what I have right now. Rock on. That's great. But what if we all die? Yeah. What if? Eventually. <laughs> what? Nobody else has turned like deeply dark in the last year. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely went there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a better place now. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, you've got to go there. Yeah. At the beginning of 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 all of this, that's where the best jokes are. Of course. So my, my wife, being a nurse, um, you know, we had all these conversations of like, particularly at the beginning when we didn't really know a whole lot. What if I get exposed? And we developed these plans, like, well, I'm going to live upstairs while I, I, I go through this, and you know, we can do this and we can do that, and you know, it's like our our life insurance policy is paid up you know, those sorts of conversations. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote a will. I didn't have it notarized, but I wrote it and it was weird. I have no doubt that you left some really, really crazy crap to some bizarre people. Oh, I left you some <laughs> weird shit, Lynn. I, I have no doubt. <laughs> yes. What details can you give us? The, the Sammy Davis Jesus on black velvet, though, I really hope you're giving to me. <laughs> I have some like uh, some like ivory netsuke, which is, uh, shall we say, titillating, if not X-rated. And uh, that was set aside for you, Lynn, just so you got a box full of like yes. old Asian porno statues. Mm. That's going all over my shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that ebony log. Oh, if I die. <laughs> Or just yeah, yeah, it's mine completely. <laughs> oh, okay, dang. I want. I just want to like cut limes on it. <laughs> yeah, but you're dead, so I am. I am. I am. <laughs> anyway, 
Thanks for joining us. This episode wasn't necessarily so violin centric, but it's what we thought we all could use right now. Uh-huh. And R- Ramon, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Ramon, you're the best, man. Mm-hmm. We look forward to your future workbench exploits. And good luck with everything over there, man. Yeah. Amen. And guys, we look forward to bringing you more episodes. Y'all take care. Take care of your mental health. <laughs> Keep on keeping on. You can't say mental health without laughing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye, Homo sapiens. Bye. Omo is an all luthier podcast produced by Rosie Deloach, Chris Jacoby, and Jerry Lynn. The show is edited by Jason Peoples, music by Invoke Sound. If you enjoy our show, you can help us out by leaving an iTunes review or becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash omopod, where you can get your very own Omo swag. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out to us at mail at omopod.com or call the Omo phone at 240-686-5345. Thanks for listening. And remember, Luthiers, it's not the fade of your blade, it's the swagger of your dagger.